faithwire.com. Inflation hits a 40-year high as Joe Biden laughs it up on late-night TV shows. Today is Friday, June 10th, 2022. I am Dan Andros, and this is the Quick Start Podcast. Joining me, Billy Hallowell from CBN's faithwire.com. Tregons Phillips is out today. He'll be back on Monday as we launch Billy finally at long last. Well, we've all been here. It's, this has been the 4 and 3 podcast. You may have noticed on your feed that we've changed it to Quick Start, and that is because we're expanding and rebranding the podcast. Uh, on Monday, you'll see the new format, uh, which we're still going to go through the headlines of the day from a Christian perspective. We will do that, but we also are adding sort of an in-depth segment to the podcast where we're going to dive into a topic of importance to Christians, and we'll bring you that with interviews and um, extra facts and figures and d- just better understanding on a topic. So we're really excited to bring that to you starting on Monday. And we'll be posting it at 7 a.m. Uh, look, that's the goal. I mean, maybe it'll be 7.10. I mean, if we're professional <laughs> enough, Billy, it'll be 7. But, yeah, uh, we'll have to wait and see when we can get the news of the cray out to everybody. Right, right, you know? right. So just give us a little grace. We're Christians. Give us a little grace if it comes out at 7.07, one of the, you know, especially in the first, because we're there's a lot of things that have to happen to make a podcast happen. And, and I'm just, uh, I'm just softening the ground for mistakes. That's really what I'm doing here. So I should stop. But uh, anyway, we're going to talk about inflation. We're going to talk about Biden. We're going to talk about um, Uvalde and the police chief is speaking out for the first time. We'll talk about those stories. What else do we have uh, coming up on the pod, Billy? Well, any atheist activists listening are going to be disappointed <laughs> to hear that there is a new study that decisively backs the Bible's transformative power. All right. Uh, you and the atheist activists, you guys are We're friends. B- BFFs. Yeah, we are. We are Billy. Good for those who don't know, Billy has a, lo- a long history of interactions with angry atheists so um, and satanists as and well, satanists. We might as well so, throw that into the yes i mean you've earned your purple heart for those interactions <laughs> uh if they give those out on twitter and social media yeah. but i'm also gonna uh, touch on to end uh the podcast today a great profile that we have on cbnnews.com of claudia wells who you may know as jennifer parker from the back to the future series and um she has a great testimony and i, I didn't know this about her story she kind of vanished not long from the media scene after uh, she starred in those movies. And it's really a great testimony. It's up on CBN News and Faithwire.com right now. So you can go to either one of those and check it out and read it. Um, but it is, it's fantastic. And we're going to go through a little bit of that. Uh, but first, uh, I want to start here today with the top story, which is inflation hitting a 40-year high. And this comes as the Labor Department says that the Consumer Price Index... Um, which is, of course, a broad measure, the price of all the goods and gas and all the things we're buying. It rose 8.6% in May from a year ago, and prices jumped 1% in the one-month period from April. So those are big. 1% doesn't sound a lot like a lot, but um, when when you're talking about inflation, it is a lot. It's a ton, and everyone is feeling it right now at the at the pump, so... And at the grocery store and other places like that. So, uh, Billy, you're not going to be thrilled about this, but stocks, last I checked here at time of taping, stocks dived about 700 points today in light of this news on the inflation. And so in the absence of like a late rally here, major U.S. benchmarks are headed for the eighth week of losses 
in the past nine weeks. And so that's all going on. And at the same time, Joe Biden's getting criticized because this these people are experiencing this sort of economic pain. And he was joking it up on late night TV. And he actually complained that he that he's he said he's been doing lots of great things because he was asked about sort of all the trouble that's going on right now. And he said he just hasn't been able to communicate it well enough, all the things that he's accomplished. And he attributed it to journalists, quote, going for clicks on the nightly news. <laughs> now, I mean, I'm not sure he's aware of how this works, but you like you can't click the on the TV. Yeah. I mean, are you clicking on your remote? No, that's the computer, the nightly news. Those are those are different things. I don't think anyone watches the nightly news anymore, to be honest with you. Um, oh, so... Man. So that is all going on right now. Really troubling economic news. It just doesn't seem to be, there doesn't seem to be any end in sight to this. Of course, there always is. Eventually, we'll turn back up. But for right now, people are struggling and it is not easy. Um, so we have that going on. That's a top story. But I also wanted to talk about the police chief in Uvalde speaking out for the first time. This is Pete Arandondo, who's been criticized heavily for the reaction to the school shooting that killed 19 students and two teachers. Tragic, horrible shooting. Um, but he's now speaking out. There was a lot of speculation. We talked about on this podcast some of the things that we knew at the time and some of the comments that were being made, but but they hadn't spoken, so you didn't really know for sure exactly what had happened. A lot of people were drawing conclusions before, ha before having those facts. Uh, but here's what Aaron Dondo said. He said, not a single re responding officer ever hesitated even for a moment to put themselves at risk to save children. He said, we responded to the information that we had and had to adjust to whatever we faced. Our objective was to save as many lives as we could and the extraction of the students from the classrooms by all that were involved saved over 500 of our Uvalde students and teachers before we gained access to the shooter and eliminated the threat. The New York Times, uh, they had reported earlier that Border Patrol agents, who the ones who ultimately went in that special tactics unit that went in and killed the, the gunman, um, there was a report that they were told through their earpieces not to enter the classroom. But And people assumed that was Aaron Dondo, but he, he said that he that wasn't him. He wasn't sure who did it. And he added that it's not that someone said stand down. It was right now we can't get in until we get the tools. So we're going to do what we can to save lives. And what was that? It was evacuate the students and the parents and the teachers out of the rooms. Because uh, if you think about it, um, those that once he got inside those doors, um, they he described them. He said that they're they're having these steel jams on them that are designed specifically to keep attackers in the hallways from forcing themselves in. So it's it's not an easy door to break down on purpose. But once the shooter got in there. Uh, then the the tables were turned. Now you can't get in. So he said he was Aaron Dondo said that they were, uh, you know, in the hallway there without body armor, trying dozens of keys to try to get through the door. So it wasn't like they were just sitting there and sipping on tea and waiting for the door to open. They they were actively trying to get in this door, but according to Aaron Dondo, they couldn't. And so it's not that they wouldn't do it and that they were just waiting for armor, and then they'd go in, and they had the choice. It sounds like they couldn't get in or trying to get in, and it just took an insane amount of time for them to actually get in. So, which is the other question, Marcus. How does it... 
you know, you got to think about these policies that are in place and you think, man, obviously you want a quicker reaction that you shouldn't be having to look around for keys to these doors for 45 minutes or whatever it took before you finally get in. I mean, people should be, they should be able to have those ready. And, and again, I'm not blaming anyone for this. I mean, these are just the sorts of details that sometimes you don't realize are neglected until something like this actually happens. And so, um, so added details there from Aaron Dondo and, um, you know, obviously still, it doesn't take away from the, the tragedy that happened, but, um, I know people want answers and, uh, we're starting to get some more of them. At least that's Aaron Dondo's account. We'll see if any more facts from the investigation come to light soon, but why does it matter? Uh, well, clearly we want to keep our kids safe and we want to keep them protected and we want to do all that we can to ensure that we're doing the best we can for our kids in schools. And, um, and so getting the answers to this, I think, and getting to the truth is critical. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think what, what's the part of this that has to be solved because now you have a story that people are watching across the country. And if these doors are installed in other schools and these issues persist other places, yeah. it seems insane to me still that it took 40 minutes mm-hmm. to figure out the key situation. I mean that, yeah, I agree. I mean, and it's easy to look back. It's easy to quarterback when you're not involved and to be like, oh, you know, this should have happened. That should have happened. Clearly that part of their safety protocol was was not properly handled in some way, whether on the front end or the back end. But, you know, it's it's just a tragedy all around. We do need to wait for more information. Uh, and I think we have to remember, too, I mean, th- this is something that not only are the kids and everybody impacted, they're never going to forget it, but, you know, these officers, too, who have been at the center, not only do they experience this, they're now at the center of this ridicule and whether or not that's warranted, yeah. remembering to pray for them, right? Because yeah. this is can't be an oh, easy thing. No, and they had to see all that. I mean... That's something that you often don't think about that officers and these special units have to go through when they see these crime scenes. Uh, the trauma, you know, obviously, aside from the family, we know the trauma and the horror that they're all going through and the other kids in that classroom and the teachers, et cetera, all them. But also these officers that have to respond to these gruesome scenes, they're always the first ones there on these types of scenes. And for your mental health, that cannot be easy. That cannot be easy to stay um, sane after seeing and not incredibly broken after seeing kids killed in this way. Uh, It's just horrifying for anyone to think about. Let's think about police in general, right? And first responders in general. We don't talk about it. There are ministries that actually deal with these things Mm. and they don't get enough coverage because there are people out there. You know, we talk about chaplains and, you know, why did police have chaplains? Why do these, they exist because after you see these things, right? And it's not even just kids, it's other things, other tragedies that happen in life. Yeah. Um, obviously children, it's the most horrifying. You know, you're impacted by that. It's it's very hard to move forward, I would imagine. So a lot, a lot of need there to pray. And I have to just say, going back to the Biden thing with inflation, yeah. the one part of that puzzle, not to do a hard topic shift, but I just want to mention this because it's remarkable to me to watch people struggling and suffering and feeling the effects of what is going on. And the public's continuously being told, we're doing a great job. The yeah. economy's strong. It's it really, there's a real disconnect there. And I feel like people are being made to feel like they're lying or the experience they're living is a lie. And we all know what's going on with our bank accounts, with gas yeah. and electricity and food. So that part of this strategy, I'm not quite understanding because it's it's painful for people. Yeah, no, it is. And it, it's gaslighting 100%. 
It's either that or it's a Jedi mind trick. I'm gonna I'm gonna judge you, Billy. You haven't seen these Star Wars, so you might not get the reference. But Star Wars. But the old Jedi mind trick of Obi Wan Kenobi just there's nothing you don't need to see our identification. And the and the stormtrooper is just I don't need to see your identification. <laughs> I mean that's essentially what they're trying to do here. It's like you don't need to see the inflation. Uh, yeah, yeah. there is no inflation. Yeah, it is. It's it's painful to listen to because it's and I think it's actually a losing strategy. You know, it's yeah, not ta- it's yeah. not great PR. You might as well just come out and say we feel your pain. We are working so hard. Right. COVID. I mean, come up with twenty Something. other excuses. That would yeah. be better than, than you're just, all making this up. Right. Yeah. Especially <laughs> when it's because it's one thing when like oh unemployment goes from four to four point three percent. And most people aren't really impacted by that, even though some are. But the average person's not feeling that, right? This, everyone, literally everyone who drives a car is feeling, or buys groceries, which I would say is probably 99.9% of Americans are feeling the pain. I mean, you're noticing your prices going way up. Everything's more expensive. I mean, even if you have to have any contractor come out to your house to get a job done, it's uh, crazy. Like we had to have our gutters done and, we had a quote a couple months ago, and then we just didn't do it. And then we were like, ah, we need to do it. So as our gutters were a disaster. And so we had them come out, and the price went up like 10%, you know, just just in a couple of weeks. So I mean, for the I, same I shared, thing. So. I shared with you, I live in a townhouse, and one quick note, we had one month a couple months ago where our electric bill was $480. Unbelievable. I mean, it's insane. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, so, so, all right. Well, all yeah, right. It, is, it, is, uh, it is one of those things where... They want you to deny reality, but uh, uh, we'll, of course, keep reporting on it over at CBNNews.com, FaithWire.com. All right. So our next story, this one is uh, really going to upset a lot of the atheist activists out there. You know, look, there are lots of atheists who just don't care about faith, but and they don't really get involved. They don't really attack. But there are some people who they will decree the Bible. They'll say the contents of the Bible are damaging and they'll talk about how bad faith is. And yet study after study continues to show strong benefits of faith that Christianity in the Bible offers people healing and help. And as a result, culture is impacted because of that. And one of the most interesting studies that comes out every year, it's called the State of the Bible. It's done by the American Bible Society. This is the 12th year that they've put this out. And it's interesting, they put the survey out in batches throughout the year. So I think there are six more releases that will happen before the end of the year. But the most recent release that came out on Thursday of this week found that Americans who consistently read and apply the Bible have greater levels of not only hope, but resilience. And so this is particularly interesting because this survey was done, it was almost 2,600 people um, over the phone and the internet earlier this year. So this is recent data. And what, what was found is that over the last three years, people who are scripturally engaged, so these are people who they read the Bible regularly, they allow the Bible to impact their relationships, not only with other people, but with God and themselves, that between 14 and 19% higher, that's how much better they perform when it comes to hope than people who are not engaged with the Bible. I mean, that's, that is a substantial increase in the ability to find hope, right? Uh, we also see some other really interesting things, people who have experienced trauma, okay? These individuals, they do much better when they're Bible engaged. And I'm just going to read part of this because it's really interesting. It says, when trauma sufferers are scripturally engaged, they experience higher levels of well-being 
So these are people with trauma. Hmm. Then those who have no report of trauma and are not engaging with the Bible. So the people with trauma who are Christians and are engaged with the Bible are doing better than non-Christians with no trauma. Um, and then it says trauma still has a serious impact, but Bible scripture engagement brings a resilience that promotes human flourishing more than trauma hurts it. And so this is just, it's incredible. And there's a lot of interesting data in here. You might remember, we actually covered this in the podcast a while back, but earlier this year, we found other data that found that nearly two thirds of people who seldom or never read the Bible have curiosity, right? And that one third of non-Bible users are actually extremely or very curious. So there's a lot of positives coming out of this. There are a lot of people who are open to scripture, um, but also the people engaging with scripture are performing much better uh, when it comes to hope and resilience. So pretty cool stuff there. Yeah, 100%. And it's always confirmation when, when we as Christians, when we see things like this, right, that we know what God and through his word can do for us. And so when it comes through in these studies, and you're able to verify it, it's all it's always great that never gets old. That's it's kind of the whole when you find an excavation archaeological find, and it backs up what the Bible says, you're like, yep, once again, confirming what we know. So um, you're right. Atheists are not going to be thrilled about that. But uh, again, as I always say, they're contradicting their own worldview when they get mad about something. Yeah, this exactly. Is, if you think about it, if you really kind of run that logic to ground, like you're just molecules in motion. There's no purpose to your creation. You're just kind of primordial goo that arose from from the ground. And so you have really no basis to be mad about anything. That's just your cells reacting. So. And what's, and what's the basis for having a viewpoint on anything at all? Right, then, right. Because it's everybody has a moral line, and we know this. We've talked right. about this. Uh, and where is your moral line? Some people, yeah. it, it's all over the map. But the point is, we as Christians, we know what that baseline is. They're just making it up as they go. And the weird thing is they're benefiting from the biblical lines that have been yeah, set. Yeah, borrowing. Culture. Yes, they yeah, borrow. Borrowing. From, mm-hmm. Yeah, this, and I think you, it's, it's look, I will mention this as, as many times as humanly possible because – it happens a million times over every day with secularists arguing either with Christians or just amongst themselves. Like you said, they're pulling from the Christian worldview to get good when it doesn't make any sense in their in their worldview. I mean, and when you boil it down, it really like you were saying that everyone has their different line. If you if you follow that to its logical end, essentially everyone has their different line. So really no one has if everything can be different, then nothing really matters. None of that matters. All it becomes is a game of who can convince more people to follow their little rule. You know, it's and then that will change. Right. And and we've seen that over time when people were convinced that slavery was a good idea. And so they all went along with it. Then people decided, oh, it's not a good idea. Right. So that's that's what a moral relativist looks like is you just are all over the map. And it's just who can convince more people to do one thing. Yeah, uh, and and ultimately, there's no basis in any of that. So I, I like pointing that out, and I'll never stop pointing that out. The moral relativism, because that is the mic drop moment for uh, an argument for Christians, really. Because uh, I, I I don't see a way around that from the atheist worldview, and you see a lot of prominent atheists over the years, philosophers, etc., that have they've kind of come to that conclusion and they've realized it, and then it sort of leads them into depression and stuff. Oh yeah, where it's all purposeless and everything. So. Um, so yeah, so I always like stories like that, Billy, where we get to see 
science and the studies confirming the things that we know in scripture so yeah, yeah, because we're pro science. There we go. Don't there we don't, go. You gotta follow the science, right? Indeed, indeed. All right. Hey, I want to end this Friday uh, on a positive note, as we often try to do on this podcast. And this one is what happened to the actress who played Marty McFly's girlfriend in Back to the Future and her incredible testimony story. And Billy, all right, I have to know this because we've joked about Billy's um, viewing habits on the TV and. Have you seen the Back to the Future series? I I have, but it's been a really yeah. long time. Yeah. It's one of those ones for me. There's a show that like if I am browsing TV in the evening, there's a few that I can't turn off and Back to the Future is just one of them. I if I see it on, I'm like, "Okay, I got to watch it. I got to stick with it." Like you just can't resist it. Um yeah, you can't resist it. So, uh anyway, so Marty McFly's girlfriend, Jennifer Parker, huge role and hugely popular in that movie uh and what happened to her because she sort of went off the radar um she she got super famous right after this movie and she was in an interview with cbn she said you know i'm excited i finally got a movie it got down to me and two other girls and michael j fox and i was excited about him at the time because he was so cute that's what she said um but once she got it and the movie was a hit she um she went to international fame but then not long after that into obscurity and so in the interview here up on cbn.com and faithwire.com talks about her background and how she was an actress at 12 years old but she had a really tough um life at home and her mom was very verbally abusive to her an alcoholic basically saying she, she thought everyone grew up saying that you're that I that they I regretted having you. This is what she said. I thought everyone grew up hearing I regret the day you were ever born. I really thought that was a normal thing. I was either the greatest or I was the or I was worse than my father, worse than her mother. I didn't know who I was because I was told so many different things. And then her mother would spend all the money that she was making on her acting and actress gigs there uh, in her early years and then and then she started struggling with her weight because she, her, her mom would stand her in front of uh, the bed and make her turn around and she would sit there and tell her she was too fat, even though she really said she wasn't. I mean, either way, it's bad, but it wasn't even true. And so she became obsessed with being thin, always on a diet and just really struggling in that area. And then this is really interesting. 1982 rolls around. Um, and now she's basically bulimic, taking up to 60 laxatives a day. Then she was cast in the TV series Herbie the Love Bug, starring Dean Jones. And so she became, became friends with Dean and his wife, Lori. And she said, quote, he talked to me about the hole that was inside of me. And if I don't fill it with God, and if I don't fill it with Jesus Christ, it'll get filled with men and drugs and problems. And so she said, I said the sinner's prayer with Dean at lunch one day and I was saved. She said, not really understanding anything that it meant, but God heard me. And then she talks about and goes on. You can read the rest in the story, but she goes through kind of a long journey. Like This was a long sanctification process before it really crystallized for her. She had definitely had some more struggles with drugs and addiction and things along the way. Um, but it's all you know coming together now in her faith. And so she really finally gave it all to God at one point. She, she describes all this in the testimony. I would just highly recommend going to read the whole thing. It's fantastic. But um, I always love a good testimony story and so happy to end 
the podcast today on on that note. Yeah, that's powerful. I love that. There's not much to add to it outside no. of amen. Yeah, yeah, amen. And it's probably going to make you want to go watch Back to the Future. At least it'll make me watch watch one of them. I like I like I like probably the first one the best. Although Back to the Future Three is pretty good in the old west. It's it's all fun. It's all good stuff. Um, but all right, that is all the time we have for today. Monday, the Quick Start Podcast new format officially starts. We are looking forward to that. 7 a.m. Lord willing, and the creek don't rise. We will be there with you uh, with the news of the cray. So God bless. We'll see you then. <laughs>